0: Hello and welcome to the return of a tried and true staple of the Australian rugby palette that is a rugby royal Rumble. We want to jump off the top rope on all the big talking points and put warring opinions in our very own RKO, rugby knowledge outpouring. My name is Ando, I'll be your host for tonight and it is my absolute pleasure to be introducing the other fighters in the Rugby Royal Rumble. First is the man with a mind of a machine who loves his rugby stats, the Queensland Reds and his family in that order, Mitch Rev (laughs) Evans. Mitch, it is a pleasure to be here with you, my friend.
1: Ring-a-ding-ding, you've got the king. Good to be on. Um, Love it. (laughs) Been a long time out,
0: but keen to be back. Mate, we are all very excited to have you here. And the next man, sometimes referred to as the other Dale brother, tonight he's on his own, and therefore he's the smartest, most attractive, and most important (laughs) member of draft rugby, Harry Dale. Thanks
2: for having me, mate. Uh, It was a a good battle
0: beating Nelson
2: down just to make the big fight, so happy to be in the main event. (laughs)
0: Yeah, pretty, pretty standard from him that he didn't even make the, the uh, cutoff to even get to this point. So well done. Well done beating him out to reach the finals. And finally, last but not least, the man who very simply makes things happen and keeps me honest with my love affairs of arguably average rugby players, it is Mitch Foster. Mitch, how are you, my friend? Very good, very good. I think now
3: that we've got the more attractive uh, person from Pick and Drive Rugby on the pod, we, we should wow. be great to get
0: going. Look, the shots have been fired early, but don't worry, I'm pretty sure we'll be able to come back from this encounter. So we have a lot that we are going to be covering tonight. Thank you very much for getting involved so far. I just want to mention a couple of things, ladies and gentlemen. Firstly, to start with, we want to be making sure that you are getting involved all throughout this show. The whole point of the Rugby Royal Rumble, is to be getting input and comments and questions and engagement from you, our fans, or rugby fans as a broad sense. Uh, One thing I'm going to put out there, if you're watching this on Twitter, just be aware that sometimes the Twitter comments are having a bit of issue getting through. So please feel free to jump onto YouTube and search for Pick and Drive Rugby and you'll be able to get this up and your comments will definitely go through. But we do need to ask a bit of an obvious question. Uh, Rev, we have a wrestling theme. How the hell did we finally find a slot for you? Why do we have a wrestling theme? Like, help us out here, mate. It's pretty confusing.
1: Yeah, so I guess um just in terms of me getting on, you know, there was finally a time that suited the school terms finished, which we were just sort of talking about before, which is nice. But, yeah, the wrestling theme, I actually think might have been the brainchild of Matt Durrant. I think he was, mm. um, you know, sort of grew up in that sort of 80s, 90s staples, a bit of raw and SmackDown, down, um, all, all the good stuff. And, we thought, well, we've got all these sort of differing rugby opinions jumping in, um, you know, trying to get involved, trying to, I, I guess, fight it out to see who's got the best opinion, who's got the most knowledge, the most insight on uh, rugby. And we thought, the, these worlds collide so beautifully. So I think our first Rumble must have been early 2021, I, I want to say. I think there were yeah, messages. Um And uh, admittedly, I'd been listening to both your podcast and the Draft Rugby podcast. And I thought... I um, am just sort of listening along, nodding my head, um, you know, imagining I'm in part of the conversation. How can I actually make this all happen? Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so we, we got sort of talking and, yeah, I think the first one might have had all, all six of us.
0: Yep, I think so. I think so, and it's a bit of a schmuzzle. Now, unfortunately, like we've mentioned, uh, Matt Durrant from Gold Digger Rugby can't be here. He's actually on a family holiday right now, but in his memory, we've kept his uh, logo up on the shield in a corner because he is an integral (laughs) member of the Royal Rumble. And um, we don't have Nelson, but let's move on quickly from that because we can. So (laughs) what are we actually going to be doing tonight? Well, we have a few points that we're going to be covering. Firstly, what were for us the highlights and the lowlights of 2022 as rugby fans. To keep things simple and to the point, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be focusing on 15s men's rugby. Okay, So if you want to cover a bit of sevens, a bit of women's, jump back onto Mitch and Myer's pod with Pick and Drive Rugby. We cover that in a bit more detail than some of the other ones, but tonight, men's 15s. Secondly, ch- 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 changes what would you have loved to have seen turn out differently singing, in Keep 2022. Singing. Nobody wants that mate. Nobody wants that. Um and then thirdly, club and country alignment. Which players need to be playing in which positions for their clubs this season to best benefit the Wallabies before the rugby World Cup? Finally, what are our hopes for 2023 and then the part that everybody loves, picking the 33 man Wallaby squad when we're not even in the year that the World Cup is going to be happening. So it's something that will frustrate many people, but bring joy to the eyes and hearts of many others. Uh, I can't wait to get involved. So first up, we will have uh, Rev taking us on the highlights and the low points for the Wallabies in 2022. I think to
1: get this started, I need to just go back to a little bit of the David Bowie singing um, from Ando there and I want to put this out to the listeners, how much would you be willing to pay in a Patreon just for a weekly sing-along from uh, We Not could much. be covering, We could be covering a whole host of artists there because I think that was um, just a snippet, just a small taste of what a maybe $20 entry could get you uh, on a weekly basis. <laughs> um, for our high points and low points, you know, if you're in Queensland and you're thinking of roller coasters, one might tend to think of Dream World or Movie World or, any number of um, theme parks on the Gold Coast. But to me, 2022, I'm thinking Wallabies and I think roller coasters. We had some really high highs, some really low lows. We had some tough wins, some really gritty losses. We had, I think, some times we were dominant, maybe not the full 80, but some moments I'm sure we'll get to where we were dominant for massive chunks of a match. And then times where we got completely smoked and looked like a tier two or three nation. So there was really everything in between, so I'm really keen to pass it over to uh, Harry and see what was a highlight for you in amongst all the multitude of things that occurred in 2022. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's um,
2: it was a, an absolute roller coaster, as you said, and just so many close games. But it just seemed like every single week you were waiting on the edge of your seat until the very last minute. But there was one big highlight for me, and that was the man that uh, that we all fell in love with once he made his Wallabies debut. And that's obviously Marky Mark, Noane Dawasi. He's, he's, his rise through from, you know, not even making the 23 in the Waratahs at the start of the season, obviously featuring for Australia Ray and then coming through and making a name for himself in test footy has been remarkable. And it's probably the biggest positive I see for our attack in the world cup is having someone of his stature, his ability in the air and his X factor. I just think he's got to be worth a try in a quarterfinal, semi final, on a final, and he's that good. So, huge highlight for me is seeing him make a name for himself. And I really can't wait to see what he does next year as well.
1: I think, borderline, his best highlight was still that photo of the boat um, <laughs> start of the year in January when he was just. Making his way into a lot of uh, rugby fans' girlfriends' uh, screensavers, he was he was looking pretty bloody good out there in um in the harbour. Um, Mitch, <laughs> what took your fancy else. this year as a highlight? <laughs>
3: um, I said on our pod uh, on our uh, 2022 review that the highlight was that game down in Melbourne, the the first Bledisloe. But I'll um I'll change things up for the rumble, and I'll say that the highlight for the Wallabies for me this year was. Um, the first game against the Springboks in Perth, I think it was. Um, we, we got that victory, which I don't think—I mean, me personally—I wasn't expecting us to perform as well as we did. Um, I've got a lot of family from the in-laws' side that are South African, and I was getting some pretty nasty messages coming through, particularly yeah. after that dive by Nick White and and some <laughs> of the sort of things that were going on off the ball. But we kept we kept on there, and we we ended up grinding them out, and we we won quite convincingly in the end. So. Um, for me, that was probably our most dominant performance uh, this year for the Wallabies. And if we had sort of kept that momentum going, we we're probably looking at a, a much better end of 2022. Um, but it, it has, as you said before, Rev been a bit of a roller coaster and up and down week in, week out. So that was the highlight for me.
1: I'll just, um, before I get to Ando because I, I want to hear from everyone, but uh, Jason Sherman's got in touch through YouTube and said, uh, just going back to our comment before, <laughs> that we might need to pay people to listen. And I've got a decent bit of pride. I might actually get to that point um i i could <laughs> yeah. be be convinced uh if, if i feel like the masses need to hear a few songs i've been a bit into arctic monkeys recently um oh, and uh, very if nice. i could yep if i could go to you what's uh your highlight before we start to delve into the the muck
0: of the year Look, uh, for me, the highlights, the game against, first game against South Africa and uh Marika Korembeti tackle on uh, Makazola, Mapimpi. that in a small segment, a couple of seconds within the game, was just a thing that got me up, like literally got me up off my seat, just kind of fist pumping in the air. It was incredible, made the highlight reels all over the world and it just showed what uh, rugby can do in its excitement and its ability to get eyes on the game. And so we need more people like Marika, and I can't wait to see him get more involved this year. And I think
1: he he recently got uh, sort of the fan vote for the Wallaby of, of the Year. Mm-hmm. I think uh, 98% of that is from the tackle alone, and it was a fantastic tackle. I went and rewatched some of the Stan highlights recently, and I went through that one quite a few times. Um some of the things we probably didn't re-watch too often will be our low lights the things that you know we sort of watching you know between the fingers as we're covering our faces because um, there were plenty of moments that I think brought a mixture of uh, maybe embarrassment or mixed emotions to all of his fans. Uh, Harry, what's one for you that sticks out? I think uh going first is it's the low hanging
2: fruit it can only be one thing and that is the team we selected and the result against Italy. and I, I had a bad feeling going into the game that, We'd completely uh, underestimated them and that they had a a lot more class than maybe we'll give them credit for. I know that Rennie said this was his plan a long way out to give people opportunity, but that was the moment where I actually started to guess Rennie for the first time. You know, he's he's had a Mm. lot of bad luck, but that was the first time I thought he's using the Wallabies jersey to groom people and try and grow people in test footy rather than waiting until they're ready. Hugely disappointing result. Uh, first time we've ever lost to Italy and yeah, definitely an absolute low light for
1: me. Yeah, it, it had a touch of the sort of Ian Foster, I guess, issues of 2021, 2022, where he was making all these records that, you know, had been never broken before and you know, as a as a all bike they were pretty shameful for a his fan, I think that one ranks right up there. Mitch, do you have anything that tops up?
3: Uh yeah, so that just I just wanted to touch on that point too, around that Italy game that uh not only was it as you said, Harry, it was difficult to say. as the the team that we selected, and this isn't the sort of selection time to be picking and, and choosing those guys to to play that test. But um, yeah, disappointing as well, just that we we weren't able to kind of ice it at the end there. So that's un that's unfortunate too. But my um similar to my highlight that I mentioned before is I'm going to say that second test against South Africa in Sydney. Um, that's probably the most consistent we've been this year in terms of Wallabies. I think we made one change to the If it wasn't the 23, it was definitely the starting 15. Uh, I think we swapped out Tate McDermott for Nick White uh, for Jake Gordon, Um, and yeah, we got absolutely smashed by the Springboks, and we didn't fire a shot at all in that game. So again, it's that theme of 2022, that roller coaster of up and down one week where we're putting in a great performance and pushing the World Champs right to the end and getting a victory, and the next week we don't even fire a shot and we concede whatever it was, 15 or 20 points, and. Um, yeah, so that for me, some disappointing results throughout the year as well, Italy, but in terms of the consistency in selection and that we want to see that um, growth through a Wallabies team, that was the most disappointing part. Yeah, and, and I think there'd be a lot of people listening in that would have that right uh, at the top of their list as well.
1: Um, and was there one other thing that we could mention before we uh, switch topics?
0: Yeah, look, for me, I just wanted to reiterate Ed Morton's comment. Low was definitely the game against Italy. I think we can all agree that that was one of the really disappointing moments, particularly that oh. end-of-season tour. But for me, it was just the... Um, the inconsistency that the wallabies displayed time after time i don't mind if a team is building towards something obviously but it's when the performances vary so much week in week out that it gets really really hard to be to stay positive and to stay on the wallabies bandwagon actually there is no bandwagon at the moment but to stay uh supporting and cheering on the wallabies when you don't know what's going to happen week in week out so uh, that for me is really just kind of the low point it's it's that not knowing if we're going to turn up or not,
1: and I think that's probably one of the issues we'll get to in one of the later segments is just that, that consistency that you know that uncertainty as you're watching a game, what is going to happen? Um, yeah, a whole host of issues with that. The, the last one I just want to bring up before I um quit hosting for a sec is Tim Foster coming through with. Maybe the best idea of the podcast so far. <laughs> How about a pick and drive Christmas album release? I'm thinking first song we cover, um, Jingle Bell Ruck. We just changed it up ever so oh. slightly. Oh, And, yeah, yeah we, we get some songs out there. Um, look, guys, guys I, I think that's covered the highlights of lots perfectly. Harry, oh. I'll,
2: I'll throw it to you. Yeah, man, I just wanted to say uh, on that Christmas album idea, I only just found that, you know, the old song, Coco Jumbo? No, no, na, na, na Coco Jumbo. <laughs> I'll keep going if you like it. There's actually yeah, a cute Christmas version, yeah. so I encourage you to go watch it on YouTube. That'll be my
1: first song, without a doubt, on the album. Uh, the album.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> like
1: 15 minutes in and we're two from four for singing, so one of the <laughs> Mitchells will be next. And we'll, <laughs> we'll see who takes the cake. I'll warm up the uh, pipes. Don't worry, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys,
2: question number two. You have the power. If you could change one result or issue that occurred this season, what would it be? And Ando, we'll throw to you to go first, mate.
0: Uh, Probably Quade Cooper not getting injured. Um, and being able to play more games than he has already because I think that consistency at 10 is probably the biggest weakness that the Wallabies have at this point in time. So if we address that issue, then um, I think a lot of the problems that we've had so far this year will hopefully be uh, addressed.
2: Yeah, perfect, Matt. I think uh, in terms of consistency and giving the the chance for the rest of our backline to fire and gel as well, it would just make such a massive, massive difference to how we run things. And it just seems like we're very untested he's obviously going to be the first choice of the world cup and we really don't know how he plays with the current back line so yeah huge one there for sure and uh mitch how about yourself
3: um i'll go with a result that i'd like to change and i'll, I'll go with that one in in sydney that was my low light for the year um i think if we had got that victory over the Springboks a second time in sydney we would have pushed for and if we could have even got a bonus point win we probably win the rugby champs so that's a massive thing for this Australian team, considering the injuries that we got later on and, and how we ended up playing against the the All Blacks when we did get to them. I think if we had been able to go into that first test in Melbourne, that first Bledisloe with two victories against the Springboks, that probably is enough mentally to potentially get us over the line in that really tight test right at the end there. I mean, take Rennell out of it. That was just a crazy decision, and we've all spoken about that at length, but Um, Again, it comes down to our ability and the team's ability to ice those big moments and the inconsistency in and out in selection this year. That would have been the only time this season we had, we had gone back to back and won two tests in a row, um, which would have been a big thing for this team. Absolutely, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Mitch.
2: Just it does seem like we're just so close, and if something clicks and we can get a little bit of momentum behind us, it really does feel like it'll snowball for us. So, absolutely, I think that would uh, potentially. I mean, I'm just going to call it. We'd have won the Bledisloe rugby champs. Everything would have been
1: game changer. And, uh, how about yourself? Mine's, mine's really selfish, but for me, um, the second test against uh, England, all I wanted there was uh, you know the bolivis to get the win. For, for a whole heap of reasons. The first one being um, our record against Eddie Jones had been so terrible um, all through the checker era. We hadn't won um, up until that match before. I thought, if we can get the home series. It just sets 2022 up for such a promising um, sort of spectacle. And then I guess more selfishly was um, we were away for a, a family weekend mm-hmm. and all of uh, my wife's family were there and they are not rugby fans, but we'd won the week before. I thought, oh, get around the couch, you know, we'll get it on early. We'll have dinner, you know. Be perfect. We get the drinks ready. Uh, and thirty minutes in, I think we were nineteen nil down. Um, hadn't looked close to scoring. We were just completely blown off the park. Um, and literally by half time, I was the only one left in the room. Everyone had just walked out. It, it was such a terrible, terrible match. So um, to me, not just for the ball of his trajectory, but also just for you know gaining a few extra fans in the family, um, that match really yeah, it was a downside for me. And if we could have won that, I feel like that changes the year quite a bit. And
3: also on that point of like the uh, the personal effects of that game for everyone on this call, probably apart from you, Rev, because you you were in Queensland, but just not at the game. But I was up there, um, had flight cancelled the night before and had to end up driving 16 hours to get up to, to get the press pass for that game. And I know that Nelson also had a... What was it like? A twelve-hour, thirteen-hour <laughs> trip of
0: does he go? Does he that not? Ended up. That's in the last a minute? highlight of twenty twenty-two. Actually, we <laughs> that should that have been in the game. Like <laughs> that was the great. effort,
3: the amount of effort that people made to get to that test, thinking that the Wallabies were going to win it um, and put in a great performance. So we all got there and saw them basically completely outplayed by England. Um, was really disappointing.
2: It's it is pretty cool when the Wallabies go well. How all of a sudden. Everyone through work, Monday to Friday, all of a sudden they're talking about the Wallabies and the Rugby Union and how we're up. And uh, and true to form, we managed to kind of keep them interested for one week. I've actually learned a lot in 2022, and my takeaway is whenever we have a really bad loss... That's when I'm going to gather everyone together to try and get them in for the next week because, sure enough, yeah. we're going to go into an absolutely massive belter of a game the next week, and everyone's actually going to tune into the right game. So that's what I'll. <laughs> well, hopefully, from- hopefully that works oh, for see. you.
3: But in 2023, with the World Cup, one big loss and we're out. So that's how <laughs> we can get rid of that. <laughs> All right, over to you, Endo.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll just quickly jump on for a moment and go through some of the um, fan questions that have come in. So Jason is pretty critical of Rennie on the Italy game. He didn't exactly have a lot of choice. Some key guided guys needed resting, but largely he didn't have a lot of better options. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that, particularly with, I mean, the horror injury toll. Rev, off the top of your head, can you think of how many injuries and like we had across this season? I think it was 43 separate injuries or something like that to
1: um, yeah, around 30 mid-30s uh, number of players. So it, was, it was
0: insane. Yeah, and so when you have that many injuries and players like um, James Slipper needed a rest, he's played so many minutes this season and considering his age and the role that he's had, he, he definitely needed a rest. Um, The player who I think, and uh, what I might do, Harry, just throw this over to you, do you think Hooper should have had a rest in that Italy game considering he'd only just come back from a sabbatical?
2: You took the words right out of my mouth. I thought uh, he didn't have a lot of choices, but he had more choices than what he chose. I think this Mm -hmm. idea of completely changing the side was where he made the mistake. Absolutely, players like Slipper deserved a rest, but it was just the wide-sweeping changes. There's no way Hooper should have had a break. There's no way. That leadership needed to be on the field, and he should have started without a doubt.
0: Um, Jason also mentions he thinks that uh, we were commenting on the inability of the Wallabies to finish games is why we need to finish with white. Um, it'll be interesting when we get to our squad later on to see what the scrum half combination is because that's one that is a really contentious area that is rarely, rarely uh, containing measured opinion. It's usually a lot of hatred, usually a lot of state loyalty. So we'll what, see um, how that one goes. I know
3: what Jason will say and his starting answer will tape, be... we're put- starting tape. Yeah, if we're fi- if we're f- finishing with White, who do we start then? And and that throws open that can of worms of do we go with Tate or do we go with Jake White, uh, Jake Gordon? Sorry. Um, <laughs> and even we have seen at times this year, even with Tate McDermott, if he's not if he's having a bad night, he's having a horrendous night. And I don't know if we can afford to to do that from a um, mm. from a international standpoint if we if he's not throwing passes to hand and the back the forward the back line's going backwards with poor delivery can we really afford to then pull him quickly for for white with then no backup option on the bench
0: no color yep um another interesting question came in from sheepy asking uh do we need to warm up the bag, bagpipes there uh seeing as i'm probably the one that's had the most experience with bagpipes with the school that i'm at maybe i should uh get them out they're over in the corner yeah, i'll um i'll I'll pull that card. So I won't be singing, but Andrew, if you can get the bagpipes out, um, yeah, that'd be I'll great. I'll do that things, for, us all, for us all. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to move on to the third part of our evening, which is a club and country alignment where players should be playing. So for this point, it's a pretty interesting uh, dilemma that the, st- um, the super rugby coaches find themselves in. They obviously have the needs of their own clubs and um jobs which are very much in the forefront of their minds but there is undoubtedly going to be some pressure coming down from on high from dave rennie and ra saying that certain players need to be played in certain positions so to start with we're going to begin with the reds and rev that means i have to throw this one to you okay so the reds have a few players that it's going to be pretty interesting to see where they line up for the reds this season the three names that i'm going to put out there and i want to hear your opinion on are hunter paisami Jordan Pettire and Jock Campbell. Okay. So where should those three be lining up consistently for the Reds and Super Rugby Pacific in 2023?
1: The two of those I think are quite easy. So I'll go through those. Jock Campbell needs to be our fullback. I, I think that's, you know, his best position. I think if he's going to get more cracks uh, at the Wallabies, the, it'll be at fullback and, and nowhere else. So I think he is locked in there. Uh, Jordan Pataya, I think, on the left wing. Um, and the reason for that being... I think Pataya and Vinavalu need to be our starting wings. I think Thorne's shown that Dungunu's gone down the pecking order and um, in his whole career, Vinavalu's only played uh, on the right wing in the 14 jersey. I think that's just kind of how that's shaping. And Pataya might not be, or well, isn't, uh, a starting wing if everyone's healthy for the Wallabies. So I think it doesn't hurt to try and fill in that backup spot if Corimbetty's not available, if there's an injury or whatever. Um, you know, just having someone that does fit that position because when healthy, Coran Betty's picked, you know, without question. So we do need the backup. Um, It leaves Paisami, and I've tossed and turned a a little bit. Um, I haven't lost too much sleep, but um, whether we go 12 Henry um, and 13 Fluke and sort of Paisami in either position, I'm leaning to going Paisami at outside centre. Biggest reason for that being, I think, with Karevi standout first choice, I think uh, Lalakai Fichetti's overtaken Paisami as our um, second choice 12. What I'd like to see is if anything were happen to Iquiteau or if we want to rest him um, during some of the easier matches in the pool games, um, it'd be nice to have Paisami sort of playing week in, week out there and developing from there. Plus, also for the Reds' point of view, it is nice having a second playmaker in Henry. He's a big body, but he's got a really deft um, sort of kicking game, passing game. And given we're losing you know, all the experience of Hamish Stewart, that's a nice sort of... Uh,
0: replacement. absolutely love what Isaac Henry brings to the table. And I'm very, like, I'm sad to see Hamish Stewart go because I really like him as a player. At least we'll still have him at the force. Um, but I am very happy to see what Isaac Henry can do with hopefully a full season in the starting 12 jersey. That would be fantastic if it does come into fruition. Now, what we might do is move down to the divot, which is the ACT slash Canberra, and start <laughs> talking about the Brumbies. Because there is a bit of a question about Tom Wright and his positioning for the Wallabies and Super Rugby Pacific. So he finished the international season playing at fifteen, largely due to injuries to the incumbents. But he 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 played all right. He played all right at fifteen. I don't think he lit up the world, but I don't think he was shocking either, except for that one drop catch. But a drop kickoff. But aside from that, does he play at fifteen for the Brumbies? Does Jesse Moggs start there? Where do we think things are going to lean on this one, Harry? Uh, Look,
2: I think he has to. I think, you know, you, you look at the makeup of the squad that we're going to get to for what our World Cup tour squad looks like, and there's a few players that are locked in starters that can afford to hold one position very, very well. I think Wright's not one of those. I know he started pretty much every game this year, but I still think he's probably on the outer if we have our best side fit. So for me, I would actually play him probably 50-50. I'd give him time to develop at fullback, but equally I'd make sure that he was sharp at wing, which is obviously his primary position. I think if he's going to be a chance to be selected in the 23 week in, week out, he needs a little bit more versatility. And I think his playmaking skills, uh, I, I guess, have some real upside if he can get comfortable in that space as well.
0: Yeah, good call. Um, We've got Sheepy who's got in touch. I felt no longer need to ask. It was better like for like replacement for Korenbete on the left wing. I I think he played fantastically coming off that left wing as well. So I think, Rev, that was speaking to some of your comments about wingers within the Wallaby setup. And Jason Sherman, just going back to our earlier comments, if we want to start Gordon, so be it, but we need White to finish games. Love the ideas and thoughts coming through there. Uh, Mitch, I might throw this one across to you. We're looking at the Rebels now. Okay, so the Rebels have Hodge. Go on. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, it's not that bad. Um, it's Hodge and Kellaway. Where do they play for the Rebels, considering the needs of the Walbees, uh in 2023?
3: Look, I'll start with um, Kellaway, and I'm going to go against what uh, Harry was just saying with Tom Wright. I don't think Tom Wright is a fullback. I think he's a wing, and in my opinion, we saw that in that last game against Wales, that when Jock Campbell came on, who is an out-and-out out fullback, he turned the, the game in our favour. That kicking duel that he had with Wales towards the end there, if you see the video that Squid released on the um, Wales-Australia game, he goes into great great depth on that, and that that was really um, key that Noel Alessio and Jock Campbell uh, brought a kicking game that wasn't quite prevalent there without them on the field. So I think that's one area that Tom Wright doesn't have as nailed down, um, but I... Yeah, going back to the Rebels, I'd like to see Andrew Kellaway as that um, backup fullback option. I think he he's going to struggle to get a selection on the wing and he's too good a player to come off the bench or to not even make a 23. So he needs to be um, in our best 23, even our best 15, I think. And so I'd, I'd be seeing him play fullback and see if we can give him some more minutes there. If he's a like and like um, comparison between Tom Wright and Andrew Kellaway at fullback, I'd be going with Andrew Kellaway any day of the week.
0: Yep. All right. Good shot there. Um, let's go, Rev. What are your rebuttals or thoughts on what Mitch has just said?
1: Um, to me, I think Kelleway still our best right wing. Um, I think the form he had in 2021 was so uh, impressive. I think he could be a really good fullback as well. But when I look at the Rebels uh, team and, and their makeup, I, I'd kind of prefer hodget 15, because I think if he's going to be, um, you know, making his way into the wall of his squad. And I guess we'll discuss that uh, pretty soon as to whether he does. Um, I would prefer seeing him as a 15 option and Callaway on the right wing. I just think we saw the way he finished tries. He's got that, um, I guess, 2019 to 2020 George bridge sort of feel about him where he's just always in the right place, right time and finishes things off really fantastically. Um, he is a really smart rugby player, which I quite like, yeah. but yeah. all this will come down to, I guess, do we have a locked in or a better fullback option for the Wallabies? And potentially we don't. So if that's if that's the way Ronnie's seeing it, I wouldn't be upset to see him at 15. I just think he's still our best right wing. And I don't know if he's our best fullback.
0: Yeah, and that kind of comes into my opinions a bit about Jock Campbell and the way in which he's been treated because you saw for a little bit last season in the Reds, he was shifted across onto the wing to provide an opportunity for Jordan Pettire to play 15. And, um, I mean, as Jason's saying, and I'm putting this up because I agree with him, (laughs) is the (laughs) 10,000% Campbell is easily our best pure fullback in the country. Rennie isn't having it probably because he's just not big enough. Um, For me, Jock Campbell is essentially the Will Jordan of Australian rugby with no understanding whatsoever in that um i think his absolute best position is 15 but he often gets played on the wing because he's also like a decent player on the wing but if you actually play him in his preferred position consistently then you he can really show you what he does now don't worry i don't think john campbell is as good as will jordan it's just a fun line to say um <laughs> uh, but it's that same thing <laughs> actually yeah that's a good uh, little snippet that we'll be taking from this show yeah. um but yeah it, it really speaks to the challenges that are ahead in that relationship between RA and um the super rugby sides because there's a lot of factors which are coming into play I might just quickly say Ed Morton has jumped in um he kel- Kellaway should definitely be fullback I think it gives him better opportunities um and what was up with Hodge? He got played a lot less than you would have thought as well. So and, that is, uh,
3: and that's one area we didn't actually speak about Hodge, and maybe we can in a moment, but I wouldn't be surprised if come the first game of the World Cup, we see Korobedi uh, <laughs> on the left wing, Mark Nwanganidawasi on the right wing with Andrew Kelleway at fullback. I don't think that is a horrible shout. I think it, it's potentially risky to be putting so much pressure on Marky Mark so far early in his season, but... If he can have a great season, another year under DC, develop as a player, get better, and then can really—I mean—he's going to have rugby champs and whatever, and at least a test against France to to warm up before the World Cup starts. With those amount of game minutes under his belt, who knows where he could be? And he could be uh, pushing for that starting spot, pushing Tom Wright out, pushing Andrew Kellaway out of that wing wing spot. So let's
0: uh, let's just hope that he has a big twenty twenty three. Why don't we hold that conversation about uh, particular players and positions for the Rugby World Cup? And we might just finish this part of our conversation with this comment from Sheepy. We all know they're going to choose Banks at fullback, though. So on that note, uh, why don't I hand across to Mitch now for our next section, which is going to be going through um, the changes required for a successful 2023.
3: All right, so we've already sort of spoken about what was uh, the highlights and the lowlights of 2022 from a Wallaby's perspective. We might start this conversation first on a Super Rugby Pacific level and just um, I'll I'll start with Harry. Harry, what do you think would be uh, the biggest change required for a successful 2023 from Australian Super Sides? To, uh, To play better against Kiwi
2: opposition? (laughs) <laughs> no, look, I, I think um, probably the biggest thing is just the depth of the squad. I think that's where we get exposed the most in Super Rugby. It's that our top you know, top 15, top 23 are generally very competitive, but midway through the season when the, the squads have been really tested out, I feel like that's where we really fall away. So I think the squad development through the off season, so hopefully some of the younger guys coming through are a little bit more comfortable in their positions, in their roles in these sides will make a massive difference. Hopefully that way it's a little bit more seamless as we do have to dig deep with a few of the injuries. And obviously we're starting from a pretty uh, low base when it comes to injuries for the start of Super Rugby next year as well. So, yeah, that's probably it for me.
3: Uh, Rev, it has been sort of spoken about in the media a little bit that Dave Rennie wants his Wallabies players particularly to, to rest some games this year in Super Rugby Pacific. How do you foresee that affecting the wider squads uh, for the Australian teams? And what overall impact do you think that will have on the success of the Australian teams in 2023 in Super Rugby Pacific? Well, the Western Force are probably licking their lips like, whew, none of our players are getting arrested.
1: Nice, we've got a full season. <laughs> um, no, I think there are a lot of pros to it. And we're probably taking a bit of a leaf out of the New Zealand playbook because they've been doing this for probably the last you know, better part of a decade where it comes to a crunch time, they're just making sure that all Blacks get plenty of rest. I think it's really down to who we choose to get rested. Uh, I think if they elect to give Harry Wilson, Suley as I Parisi, if, if they're giving their minutes off just because they're a wallaby, that doesn't really match with how many minutes they've played. I think um, players like Slipper, Valentini, unfortunately the, the top eight sort of um, test players were all Brumbies players. So they're going to be quite heavily rotated. Um, to me, I think the outcome of this is probably going to be, you know, for the Wallabies, it could be really good. We might be a bit fresher. But in terms of Super Rugby, I think it probably benefits um, the Waratahs quite nicely. They've got a lot of Wallabies players and a really strong um, 23, if all healthy. But not that many of them are, you know, sort of nailed on Wallabies at the moment. Um, So that gives them quite a, a good chance to go quite deep in this competition, I think.
3: Fernando, and just on that wider point of what what are the biggest changes required for a successful 2023 from the Aussie supersides? Is there anything that
0: immediately jumps to mind for you? Look, the, the thing for me is just that um, collaboration and connection between the Wallabies and the Super Rugby Pacific teams. I know I just spoke about it earlier, but that's really, really important. If we want to have a successful 2023 from a Wallabies perspective, we need the right players getting the right amount of game time game time in the right positions. And that can't happen without alignment between the Wallabies and the Super Rugby teams. So if that is an order, then I'll be happy. And I think that will benefit the uh, both the Wallabies and the Super Rugby teams moving forward.
3: Now, if we focus more on the Wallabies in general for their 2023 season, Australian rugby and their success for 2023, Harry, what uh, changes are you sort of highlighting as as necessary to get us the best and most successful campaign we can have at Rugby World Cup next year? I'm actually going to echo Andy on this one.
2: Um, And I was saying that, you know, we, we need better alignment between club and country. I think it was Cheka who was known to have a blow up at the start of every test season saying his players aren't fit enough. So he grilled them in a hard preseason block before they went and they played their first test match. Seems like Dave Rennie's gone and done the exact same thing this year. So despite all this talk that we have better alignment than ever, there still seems to be this inability to manage the fitness levels of the players, and you know, while part of that is inevitable that they're going to be losing their a little bit of fitness at the end of a Super Rugby season just from the toll that that season takes, they definitely need to work on the strength conditioning to make sure that our players are able to finish games in as strong as a possible way, and, and, and that's going to come down to – you know, the S&C is working together through the entire program. So that's the big one for me.
3: And Rev, we, as um, Harry was just alluding to, the injury toll that we had in 2022 was outstanding and record-breaking. Is there any changes you'd like to see in that area particularly that you can highlight for a more successful, maybe more players on the field for more minutes in 2023?
1: Yeah, I guess with that, it's going to be down to what the strength and conditioning coaches are doing and what, what that element of training is looking like. Uh, I've seen comments saying how uh, the Crusaders nearly lead the pack in terms of the least amount of contact uh, per week. So that's that'd be interesting to see their success and how that goes in terms of a, a grueling sort of um, contact week. It, to me, though, I think the, the biggest change, if we're talking about the, the training, would need to come in just to the line out coaches and the people that are, you know, in charge of the hookers and locks there. I, I think if, if we're going to go far in the competition, our line out, just how many games were we sort of you know smacking our faces because we were looking at Fyinga, you know, throw something over the top of everyone or um missing everyone completely? As Waratah's fans, I'm sure you're all lamenting Tom Horden uh, missing the chance to beat the Reds oh. uh, in that sort of was it Bowery? We,
3: haven't, we <laughs> yeah. haven't gotten over that yet, mate. Come yeah,
1: but like there's just so many times really where really Australian really. hookers are um <laughs> just making it really hard for uh fans to buy into them because they keep missing the basics and I, I think to me we've got about 11 or 12 hookers that have had you know Wallabies or Australia A representation in the last three years if they're just throwing lineouts accurately they're probably booking themselves a ticket so that, that's all I want to see happen
3: now I will come back to you and I'm not cutting you out but Jason Sherman has asked a, a question of Harry he said here it is. Is it possible that Rennie and Czech are just expecting more than what's possible from the SNC and and the player development? I mean, we're we're not inside the camp, so we
2: don't know what the benchmarks are that they're looking at. But I would have thought that, albeit you know, this is their first test coaching gig, so they haven't had to deal with a squad coming together at this short space of time. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that they had the information from their S&Cs and past experience coaching that they know where a player's fitness can be at the back end of a season. They've all coached super rugby sides, teams overseas as well. So, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think that uh, they're always going to drop off a little bit, but clearly something is missing for them to both have been so vocal about it.
3: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Cool. I think um, we and, have to and, comment uh, on here, mate. No, sorry, we have to comment on this. <laughs> Tars are the number one from Flipbook Masker, not top four <laughs> next season. Absolutely love the enthusiasm. Majority rules. Three Tars fans to one Reds. fan. I will say, as a
3: Tars you know, right fan, and now. and I don't. We're not doing a Super Rugby preview for next year. That will come <laughs> uh, January twenty 2020, twenty, January twenty twenty three. But it is worrying to think that we all uh, teams in Super Rugby Pacific this year. Are going up against a Crusaders team who are farewelling Scott Robinson, so that will be um that will be a big year, and will be interesting to see if
0: anyone can get a victory against them. Now you're going to ask me something, Mitch.
3: Ah, uh, do we need to? I mean, you've no, I really wrong. don't no, care. But well, you
0: <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, uh, what changes would you like to see for a successful 2023 for the Wallabies? uh for the Wallabies, um, look for the Wallabies. I think it's got to be the determination of whether or not Wolosio is the number two and who our top three hookers are. You get those two things sorted then I think the Wallabies look a lot better moving forward. Um, we, we've got to stop playing the merry-go-round of player positioning I think Rennie's had enough time now to see the players that are available to him and know what they're like so um, yeah I really think that uh, sort out who the backup number 10 is or who the second and third number 10s are and as well as who's behind Parecki in the hooking options.
3: Yep, I'll um I'll say my piece and then we'll move on to the next part and I think Rev's gonna drive us through that. But um yeah, I'll echo what you're saying there, Andrew. I think uh, 2023 for it to be successful, we need to have as least amount of injuries as possible. That's something we have spoken about. But I also think just continuity of selection. If we can pick our best 23 and get an idea of who they are and not continue to test players like. Say what you will about Ben Donaldson getting his test debut this year. Was it necessary? Is he going to feature for the Wallabies in 2023? Most likely not. If we've got Bernard Foley, Quade Cooper, and Noel Alessio all fit, Ben Donaldson doesn't even feature. So you can say that he's using the players that he's got available at the time, but at the same time, he's sort of still searching for what that answer is to who is our best fly half, and I don't think he's got an answer yet. So if we can just pick our best 23... And stick with them as much as possible without, as you know, injuries aside. I think that's going to put us in good stead to sort of go deep into the World Cup next year. Um, I'll finish things off there for 2023. I think we all sit here and say that we want to have as successful a season as possible. I'm going to call it out now. We're going to bring home the Bledisloe next year. And we're going to at least get to the <laughs> final weekend of Rugby World Cup 2023. But let's uh, let's dive into our 33-man squad. Rev, you're you you're driving this one. Love it. Um, Big
1: shout out first to uh, Ando who turned my sort of scrappy PowerPoint into something that looks uh, quite <laughs> quite respectable. So hopefully that's coming up for those, um, you know, that are watching along. If, if you are listening to this as a podcast, please, um, you know, if, if you don't want to see the visuals, the video will be accessible. And it, it probably does, um, firstly, give a bit of um, credence to the effort Ando put into this, but also just um, makes it a bit easy to visualize some of the selections because we are going to go through Um, quite a suite of options. There's about 70 players that we've shortlisted. And we're just going to pick our uh, 33-man World Cup squad um, with a number of selections in each uh, each position based off um, typically what other countries have done and what Australia has done at World Cups, um, but also leaning a little bit into, I guess, the strengths or weaknesses that we possess. So uh, we are going to start it off with the props. Um, What better spot to start as... Well-documented. Uh, first player picked in any team is the tight head. Second player picked is the reserve tight head. And we could probably go through and nail those two down. But we've got quite a, a little bevy of options here. Between Slipper, C.O. Bell, Gibbon and Johnson-Holmes, Robertson, Alalatoa, ala Toa, Pony Farmasuli and Sam Talakai, there's 10 Wallaby props. Um, with Harry Johnson-Holmes being the only one that hasn't featured under Runny just yet, but did get the solo cap in 2019 against South Africa. So we've got quite a nice group of players there. Harry, I'll I'll throw to you, let's just lock in some of the obvious ones. Who is definitely going to the Rugby World Cup if healthy? Yeah,
2: I think the obvious ones are going to be Slipper and Bell at loose head and Alan Ala-Ala-Toa and Taniela Tupo on tight head. I I don't think that their timeline for Tupo's Achilles injury is going to be a problem. So I'd lock those four in, which leaves us with two more
1: spots. Love it. Now, I'm not the wizard behind this. If some green
0: sort of rings come across them, then that's great. If not... Nah, unfortunately no, unfortunately, we can't on StreamYard, but I'll be getting things ready at the end so we have the full list ready to go once we get through the team.
1: Love it. So hopefully everyone uh, watching and listening along is more switched on than me and can keep track of 33 names. Um, so those four are locked in. Mitch, who would you add to that list? Who, who would be in your next rung of props that needs to go there as a backup?
3: Uh, I'm going to throw Harry Johnson Holmes in there. I think he was unlucky with injury this year, but he was definitely ahead of some of the other options we've got there, given Talakai. Uh, You could argue Farmer Silly as well. Uh, So if it weren't for injury, I think he does get a few minutes this year for the Wallabies, but obviously he, he did pick up, I think it was that foot injury or that ankle injury, so he didn't feature. So I'm expecting a big year in 2023 from HJH, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him push for some selection. Nicely done, and already a bit of a, a catalog of the pigeons because I don't think Johnson
1: Holmes was in my six pick. But you know, nope. this is the beauty of doing this as a group. <laughs> we get um, we, we get a, a, range of um opinions. So
3: I'm going to presume is he going as a, a tight head in your view, Mitch? Well, he's versatile. He's shown he that he can versatile. play both. Um, but I think at the moment he is packing down a tight head. So we'll say we'll pick that as his primary op- primary option. So. And I guess with that in mind, who would be
1: the sixth prop? Who, who else is joining this illustrious crew um, on a plane to France?
0: So just run me through who we've got so far, please. Slipper. Oh, come on. Circle
3: it, mate. <laughs> Slipper, Bell, you running
1: Amoratoa, this? Tupo, and Harry Johnson-Home. So we've got our two loose heads. We've got two tight heads. Uh, we haven't used an overseas pick yet. Um, we, we're kind of in need of a loose head prop.
0: Yeah, cool. Look, this is really, really hard because Pone has the physique of a player who could do an incredible role in international rugby, but he just hasn't had the consistency of um, uh, what Have is it? A body of work? Non-injury. He hasn't had that body of work. Yeah, he's basically just been getting injured every opportunity he has to get injured. So he hasn't got that time. <laughs> Tom Robertson <laughs> underwhelms me. Um, I like the guy. He seems like a great bloke, but he just hasn't performed particularly impressively for the Wallabies this year. I love Harry Johnson Holmes, but the challenge with Harry is that he just hasn't got enough game time for the Wallabies. So can you really pick a player based off one Super Rugby season Um, and maybe what three or four matches... That he might get onto the bench, maybe. Well, I mean, Sam Talakai got a debut after how many minutes. Yeah, in- injury enforcement here. though. just injury. Yeah. That was pure injury. Um, so yeah, look, mate, I genuinely don't have an answer for this. Uh, and I'm gonna let smarter people who know more about it. I will props just say do, one thing, like I'm one
3: going. one thing while we get through this World Cup selection. What what grounds are we going for with the ghetto law? Are we Throwing that open out, saying that we can We're pick anyone that's available? Sliver. Yeah, yeah, Take open Yep, it's got to, it's got to change, right?
2: There's too many pl- good players that Rennie has been leaning on overseas for him to only be allowed to pick three.
0: It, it's he's trying to force their hand, surely. Yep. Yeah. Um, why don't we reverse? Why don't we reverse engineer this, guys? Why don't we go? Who's definitely not coming? Talika. Assuming everybody's fit. Assuming Talika's everybody's fit, not. Talika's not coming. <laughs> yep. Good.
1: Yep. And I think Even. everyone else is uh, in with a shot because uh, Gibbon impressed. I, I see Jason Sherman's commented in with uh, justice for Harry Hooper. Um, if he weren't injured, I think he would be, uh, you know, really pushing for that spot with uh, Gibbon. But uh, I think if we've got Justin Holmes as a tight mm-hmm. head, let's just lock in Scotty CEO, uh the yeah. big dog. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, and, and that way we get a, a 70 test prop um, with plenty of experience. And, you
2: know, Otherwise, he'll be here
1: all night. Let's keep going. A yeah,
2: more than <laughs> okay, handy cool. replacement. And- Cheap is just asking if we had a backup. If we if we can't take Co personally, I'd just put out there that's probably Robertson. Then his ability yeah, to yeah. play both sides.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, and we do need to move to hooker because this is really a, a bit of a a laundry list. Like we've got the same number of options here as we did for prop, except we're taking half the amount. So um, when we look at our hookers, we've got a whole heap. Four of them played for us uh, this year in Parecki, Feinger, Lonigan, and Pollard. Uh, last year, we also added to that list uh, Jordan Yolesi, Tolu Latu, Bren Pangaramosa, Conor McInerney, and Filetti Kaitu'u. Um, uh, the latter two of those getting their debuts that year. Uh, we've also included Alex Murphy, who's just made the transition to the Rebels, um, despite appearing in this list with his uh, Reds jersey on proudly. But he's been probably at times the form super rugby hook a bit with injuries and. Um, let's just say state biases, uh, hasn't made it into the Wallabies <laughs> just yet. So we've got to pick three hookers. Mitch, you, you're the, the loose cannon who's um, <laughs> making the wild course. So i I'll let you pick first and get it out of the way so we've got a safe option. Uh,
3: please don't say McInerney. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll lock in Ulesi then. <laughs> um, no, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll go Parecki.
1: Parecki, nice, safe. And I think I think we'd all be in agreement that Parecki makes it on. Hooker is a challenging um, position, though. So, Ando, this isn't as straightforward as it seems. Who would be the second hooker that we lock in for this trip? Who do you want to see go on board?
0: Look, the problem is you you have this lens through which you see all overseas players in that you you remember them for what they were, not what they are right now. And so I think of BPA, Brendan Payama-Amosa, as a, a good Wallabies hooker who... Didn't always have the best throw, but was passionate. Was a better thrower than Fainaga. Uh, good, pretty good around the park. Decent on a ball, and did did a serviceable job as a Wallby hooker. So, if I base things off that, then yeah, yeah, sure, I'd be going BPA. But I haven't seen enough of his um, enough of his play o- over the last season to know if he should be the player that he or if he is the player that he was. So, I'd be hoping for BPA. But I mean, I can't walk that in.
1: I do like at least that he's getting the mention. I think if we were to hypothetically lock in a Parekhian-Panga-Ramosa combo, that's quite juicy, quite tantalising. Harry, a lot of pressure on this one um, because Dave Rennie hasn't been able to do it. Can you pick a third hooker for us? Yeah, a piece of cake. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Look, I, I think
2: that the man that's going to get picked third 2023 will be his year. You know, he's had a lot of people staying in his way for game time, meaning that we probably haven't had the opportunity to really show exactly what he's got. But the Brumbies starting hooker for next year, NOS Monaghan is going to be playing big minutes ahead of McInerney. Obviously, Falau, uh Feng uh, has moved on. So I think he's just going to grow into the jersey next year. And I think he'll lock his spot above Falao Feng because of that as well.
1: Oh, I absolutely love it. And I
3: think, can we, is it possible for us to put in like an asterisk for that third selection and say, well, uh, we, this position is pending 2023 Super Rugby Pacific form?
0: Because if Nits we up, had that, I
3: think we've got <laughs> we've got Lonigan, Pollard, Kaituu, Latu, yeah. and even Mafi all potentially pushing for that third spot. There's there's so much competition there, right? Like yeah. Kaituu now has
2: uh, competition for Inga. Uh, you got Pollard who has competition from McInerney and Lonigan. Like I, I I think it's probably not a World Cup year that you're going to see one of the guys that are the second or third player deep in their squad really come through. I think it's probably going to settle down a little bit because of that.
1: And uh, Mitch, just so you know, because you picked Harry Johnson-Holmes, every position that we pick now has an asterisk. So that's, um, <laughs> it goes without saying. But look, I, I really like those picks. I think for Aki panga and Lonigan. and the best thing for Lonigan is he saved his best performance for the last sort of 10 minutes of, um, you know, the ball of his season, which, you know, I think a lot of Aussie fans, um, not just for rugby, for all sports Really live off that short uh, memory, you know that recency bias, and that, that's going to go a long way if he can sort of um, continue that throughout the twenty twenty three Super Rugby season. Um- the locks
0: I'm really interested in let's just, just pause that on perfectly. that if you don't mind Rev um, oh, we yeah. just have a whole bunch of comments that have come through which I'm seeing so I thought it would be really great to track through them um, I've got a couple that I wanted to throw to you Rev if that's okay I'm taking over for a moment um, yeah, go for it. but Tim Foster I'd leave Tupo if he has a form like this year when he's back from injury and then a guy called Chris Foster who are these Fosters that Keep <laughs> popping up. Everywhere? Uh, what has happened to Tupo he seemed to be uninterested and way off his game this year would you agree with that sentiment Rev as a Reds fan what do you think is going on within um, the form of Taniel Tupo.
1: Oh, I do think he was off his game. I think, unfortunately for him, he's been asked to play 78 minutes um, every week. You know, when you look at uh, how, how Thorns played between him, uh, Nongor and Fodewaika, there's been really quite a lot um, of time to sort of drilled into Tupo. And he could see that it was taking a bit of an effect, not just physically, but also just how he was approaching some games. The other thing, and this is, you know, more of an aesthetic issue, I've got no problem with it. But um, similar for Lacanio Am, the fact that they chew gum throughout the match, it makes them look like they just could not give a shit that they're out there. So yeah. that's, that's to me probably like the optics for a lot of people is you see him out there um, getting ready to pack down for a scrum, and you see him chewing, you're like, oh, that doesn't look, um, you know, overly <laughs> sort of fixated onto the match. But, you know, that sort of has been proven. Um, gum is great for that sort of, you know, retention of focus but also if he's um on board with duncan chubb and the that the is um Bear that is podcast, interesting that's an inter-
3: interesting sort of point that you've raised there now i do wonder if rugby world cup 2023 follows the same sort of structure that the women's world cup this year had where all of the players had to wear mouth guards because they were wearing the smart mouth cards and it was compulsory because it tracks concussions so mm-hmm. if world rugby goes down that path that could potentially throw out Tupou's game if he's being forced to wear mouthguards and he hasn't worn one for however long he's been a professional player for. Maybe the guns holding him back.
2: I would just say on his form as well, we've got to remember he had a baby mid-season, I think, didn't he, this year? And I think with the exception of Rev, pretty much every player seems to be a bit distracted and drop the ball a little bit after having a baby. (laughs) So I kind of give him a, a bit of a pass because of that
0: um Rev, I might just quickly track through some of the other comments and hand it back over to you for the locks. um So, Andrew Iwai, it's a shame Fayengaha can't throw. His on field work is much better than Parecki. Angus Pickering, no, Fayengaha, he can't throw. Again, Pickering, I reckon Kaitu or BPA. Ed Morton suggests Parecki, Wanigan, and Kaitu. Then we have uh, Nile or Neil, Lonagan and Pollard for me. Tim Foster, Pareki in Latu will be 2 and 16 at the World Cup. And then Julie Neighbor as a Force fan, hoping Kaituu has a great season and makes it back into Wallabies. I agree. I just think that there's going to be a massive um, taking minutes off each other from Kaituu and Fayenga. So I'm not sure if any one of them is going to be able to shine because they're not going to get the game time that they need to really push that spot to be the third hooker chosen, I think. And then lastly, Jason Sherman, Asiata, if he can throw well enough, 100% <laughs> should be in the squad. Rev, back over to you.
1: Yeah, look, there's a lot of um, hookers. And as, as I've sort of been touched on with this, the whole notion of this is we have more than potentially these 10 players here that all could potentially make it uh, to France. But I think at this point, we do have to, you know, go with people that have been tested. And as much as I'd like to see Murphy get involved, as much as I'd like to see the Reds sort of throw out one of their three hookers as a, you know, a last-minute bolter, I, I do think it is going to be the people on the list. Now, with the locks, I, I do like this. There's four of us. We're picking four locks. We're all going to get one each. Um I might save myself a last just so I can make a, a bold call if needed. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll go to you first. Who would you like to lock in as one of the Wallabies
0: locks? The question is, who do I want to lock in or who do I think sh- is going to get locked in? Which one, Rev? Come on. Who do you want? Uh, Nick Frost. This is our rumble, Ando.
3: Yeah, it's our rumble, Dave yeah. Rennie's rumble. This is our rumble. Yep. And Nick if that's Frost it, then it. Nick
0: Frost is my call.
1: Nice. I love it. you got to get it in early too because, you know, you never know who's going to be left on the board and if he's going to be taken by others. So we've got Frost locked in. Harry, take it away. Who's joining him? Skeleton. Love it. So we've got uh, Tall Timber <laughs> and uh Wide Timber. So we've got um, two absolute behemoths already in there. Mitch, who are you adding to that list as well?
3: I'll add Caden uh, Neville. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Why so who are you going with?
1: Why? Well, mate, out of all the players... That
2: you you're picking me.
1: You're killing me. All right. Okay. <laughs> he was he was the only person I had crossed off as like, okay, we won't even consider him, so that's good. Right.
2: <laughs> hey, you made the squad, Bolter. He, well he made
1: the squad. Oh, man. <laughs> well done. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> this... This blows it so, so who's getting open.
0: left out for Neville?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, realistically, Arnold and Rodder are absolute, you know, superstars. They were, you know, the linchpins of our 2019 campaign. Um, but I I can't go past my favorite, and now it's not even going to seem like a bold call. But Matt Phillip is he's, he's my favorite, he's a workhorse. Um, and look, that only looks stupid because <laughs> we don't have Rodder or Arnold, but. Oh my god, that lineup was I, so bad. I love I love the chaos
0: of uh, having Neville thrown in there. Okay. This is and good. you know what? It's only well, chaos because we're... I'd already pricked I'd already picked Frost, who is a bit of a yes. maybe call anyway. So yeah. now we've got a maybe call with somebody that Mitch really needs to defend his choice over. So let's go. Come on, well, why? Because let's hear it. if we're
3: realistically, I mean I know we are talking around uh no ghetto law, but Arnold's not getting selected if we do have even six options for uh the the ghetto law in this World Cup squad. So we, we net we cross him out in
0: that regards. Isaac Rodder Isn't didn't he? play really? at all. Hmm? Like he's not getting picked in the top six overseas players. Well
3: if we're picking Skelton you can't pick Skelton, Arnold, he Corabetti,
0: Karebi,
1: Cooper. Karevi. That's it. That's a six. <laughs> I still don't think Mitch, he gets picked. Mitch, we'll, so, we'll think... let you reneg on Neville if you would like.
3: If you'd like to take him off the table. <laughs> <laughs> no, stand put... by it, man. I kind of love it. <laughs> no, I, I just think that we're, if we're going off form this year, we haven't seen Rodder play for the Wallabies this year. We haven't actually seen him play for an Australian Super Rugby side yet. So um, we're now going on a performance of Neville. Who I thought, yeah, he had injuries, but he he performed well for the Wallabies when he got his minutes. So... We're now relying on Rodder to have a really big season in Super Rugby Pacific this year to justify that selection. We're now looking at Neville, who has had minutes in Wallaby's camp. Um, is part of the setup. He comes from the Brumbies, so he already knows the calls and the setups that Dan McKellar has been performing. In my mind, Rodder's an outside chance.
1: That's yeah, it, right. it, it's fair and enough. And plus he plays and, for the
3: Western Force, so
1: well, I was I was gonna shout out uh, Julian a Julian Ape, because we have a um, you know a few comments in here and hers was about Kai too, but I do want um, the force represented in the world cup squad. I think Rodder's mm. a great chance yeah. of doing that um, yep. f- for the, for the men out West. I do also want to shout out Ed Morden. He's probably got close to what I would probably have considered as my um, four losses nominated Frost, Skelton, Rodder, and Philip. but um, look, all these eight options were included because they were genuine options and Frost, Neville, uh, Skelton, and Philip is uh, as mighty as they come, you know? So I, I think, no skin off the teeth of having those four selected. Now, come
3: on, we're throw getting up Andrew's comment. Let's get some support for my my call there. Oh, Andrew was, sorry,
1: <laughs> has said Neville wasn't flashy, but got through a ton of work. Yeah, yep. but he got no, through a lot no, more no, work than Roddy. Matt Matt Phillip does that, but better yeah, in Phillip my view. That but better. that's yep. that's fine. Um, look, the only reason I included Philip in it, I have to defend him all the time in my group chat, is because he's, he's running his most years lock, I think. When we go through the list of all the players. uh Rennie's used. I think Philip is, yeah, right around the sort of tenth most years player. So he's um he's definitely got a bit of favoritism in the squad already. But look, let's go to the back row. I don't. Who, think we... Who's
3: going to pay me out when uh, Neville gets selected for the World Cup next year?
1: Hey, look, th- there's nothing wrong with him getting I selected. Ho-
2: I hope we just... don't have that many injuries again. To be honest, to,
0: to prove. I... Yeah, <laughs> And the only reason why Neville is a chance is because of the injury toll. If we don't have those injuries, he's no way near a Wallabies jersey. Um, so yeah, <laughs> if, if the other players come back into form and stay clear, uh, Mitch, your bold prediction I don't think will come true. Now, I'm very scared now because we've got a lot of positions left. There's still so
1: much room for um, upset calls. Can well, we get
0: Mitch to go first, please? Yeah,
1: please. I, I I will, and I think let's knock off let's knock off two at a time. Let's go through this. I'll, I'll sort of stay in the background I'll let you guys pick two each. Mitch, which two of these back rollers need to be on that plane?
3: Um, all right. Which way do I want to play this? No, I'll go with Hooper and Samu. Nice, both those guys in. I love it, Hooper and Samu.
1: And I think anyone not including those two seriously needs their head checked because they are absolute superstars. Um, Harry. Who else should be on board with them? Do I have to select out of the ones on the sheet, or can I go? Can I go wider than that? Oh, we're going off the sheet. I love it. Um, you can, but just note that if I don't like the answer, I will mute it. Go uh, if, it.
2: if you could put Andrew's comment up on screen for everybody, then uh, then that'll help me a lot.
1: Wow. Wait. All right. So for those who are not able to view and are just um, hanging on bated breath for what was said. Andrew has gone touch on YouTube and said Tom Hooper was amazing at number six during Super Rugby. He'll be great as a lock slash six hybrid for next year. I, right.
2: I can I completely agree. I just think he was is born to play test footy the way he plays the game. And mm-hmm. I also think that our six options are all going to be kind of secondary line-out jumpers as well. I think Holloway is probably the leading six at the moment. And then I was tossing up between Hannigan, Leota, and now Tom Hooper as well. And I just think if there's one bloke who could force his way in and really make a difference, I actually am not overly convinced by Leota and Hannigan's time in the jersey. So, yeah, I'm going to go Hooper as my backup six option.
0: Nice. Who's so- your other call?
1: Holloway. All right, so we've got Hooper and Holloway, so two Hoopers, a Holloway and Asamu. Uh, Mitch, you'll be very pleased to know you're not the only one with a shocking call so far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, let's round it out because we're missing an absolute superstar as well as you know at least one um, you know big pick to come.
0: Who rounds out your back row picks? Oh, it's got to be Ned Hannigan and Charlie Gamble. Um, <laughs> no, that's a joke. Um, so for me, Ned Hannigan and be- Gleason. <laughs> How to get him. Yep. Uh, Valentini so Valentini is obviously the name that we haven't mentioned already and he's definitely in the team so yep, yep for me he's there um, beyond that like I'll just say a couple of the players who will not be there in in my view so Langie Gleason, no he's not on a plane whatsoever Charlie Gamble no because he hasn't had the time in Wolves jersey yet um, and he's a bit too underdone at that top level McMahon absolutely not he was really poor I think when he did get a chance this season and didn't kind of show a commitment level of commitment that i would want Uh, again looking to it from the outside it looked as though he didn't have the commitment to playing for the wallabies and chose club over country um swinton has had too many injuries and the like leota has been good when he's been on but also is a bit injury prone so it's pretty hard now i did skip over harry wilson because that's that's a challenge and i've got one spot left within who i can pick rev so um how much is this worth to you mate for me to be picking um harry wilson uh, look i actually was about to say
1: i like your process of elimination i think you've probably gone through the same emissions that i would um it's kind of left what what is it hannigan wilson hannigan, as the options.
0: and Wilson. Yep.
1: yeah and look to be honest i would not turn my nose up at any of those i think they would all offer something to the squad
0: yeah, i think we need an out and out eight um as a backup to valentini uh so for me because we've had tom hooper picked i disagree i would have picked hannigan um but with hooper there really? i can't pick hannigan because they're like and like yeah i know we all know um <laughs> so i think i have to be picking wilson here so our back row is holloway um, michael hooper valentini wilson samu and tom hooper love it and how good is
1: that? We've got a bolter from off the sheet. So if you're watching along, do not adjust your screen. Do not check your uh, glasses subscription. There is no Tom Hooper on the list. Harry has gone from left field, and oh, we absolutely love it here. I'm um, expecting Ando to have it up on the, sh- the final sheet, though, right? He's furiously working in the background uh, to make sure it's added to our squad. I'm doing my best drawing of him right now. <laughs> we'll just stick that up at the end. <laughs> um, look, I, I think... Hopefully, this one's going to be a bit more straightforward. Now, for those um, listening along, we've got five scrum halves listed as our options. We're going to pick three. You might think five scrum halves. What are they talking about? We've got White, German, and Gordon. Ryan Lonergan has been playing, I who the hell is that fifth? We have included Tewera um ex-All Black, who has put his hand up, um, having played under Rennie at the Chiefs, just as a bit of a, you know, like, maybe left field call just in case they're after someone with World Cup experience. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to the safe spot um, now that Harry's overtaken the, the throne. Mitch, you're my voice of reason. Um, help me out. Who's
3: going to be the first scrum
1: half that Rennie hands his ticket to?
3: Um, I'll go with Kobalo. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing to us, man? What guys? are you doing? <laughs> no. uh, Nick White. Nick White. Look,
1: in, I, I think the obvious choice um you know, he really needs to be on board. And this is really probably a, a straightforward pick. Um, Harry and Ando, am I right in assuming that McDermott and Gordon are the other two that get on board? Or, Ando, is yeah. there enough of a... Th- there's not enough that Lonigan could do to, to sway you that he might be that third man on?
0: Oh, look, it depends on the location he takes me out to dinner to. Um, <laughs> but if that was the case, I'd probably be saying Lonergan. But if not, uh, I think it's White, McDermott and Gordon. Um, Lonigan's time will come. Absolutely love it. Um, well,
3: question: with, While we're on the one? on the scrum halves for you guys, do you think we've got enough depth with McDermott and Gordon and potentially now Lonigan, that were Nick White to pick up an injury this year, we can still uh, surpass that in the World Cup?
2: I think it's a chalk and cheese. Nick White is by far and away our best international fly, uh, scrum half. Sorry. Um, So, no, I, I think McDermott and Gordon are both good backup halfbacks, but I don't believe either of them can replace Nick White if he's
3: injured. I think we'll lose a lot. So he's probably the one player out of our World Cup squad next year that we can't afford to lose through injury. Uh, there's example. a few one players, but, yeah,
1: he's he's one of them. Yeah, he's in the top five most important players for the Wallabies, I think. So he would be a massive loss despite us having a really settled – um, combo Like in, in Rennie's tenure, we have only used three scrum halves, which is really um miraculous, I think, given the rest of the squad rotations. If we have a look to fly halves now, because we do have maybe more debate in this section, we're only going to take two. Uh, Rennie's employed five different uh, fly halves this year and Quade Cooper, Bernard Foley, Noah Lollisio, uh, James O'Connor and Ben Donaldson. Uh, we haven't included any of the other young guns um, that are toiling their way through Super Rugby at the moment, but obviously there are quite a few just that sort of next cab off the rank category that people might be thinking about. With this, a lot hinges on injury and a lot hinges on super rugby form. I would imagine who gets picked from this crew. And I, I want to give um, first option to you who, who gets picked.
0: Quake Cooper. That's my shout. I'll do the sensible one to start things off and we'll see who, uh, who gets decided for the second option.
1: Very sensible. Um, Harry, who joins Quade Cooper? Strap
2: yourself in.
0: <laughs> ben Donaldson. Oh, Look, no, I,
2: no. I, I was thinking about this, and I actually did go back and forth. I, I think not Foley, first of all. Um, I don't think that he offers enough of a plus other than, obviously, his experience, which if Quade Cooper goes down, I think Foley would be brought into the squad, but I wouldn't pick him in my initial squad. So that means I'm basically looking at Lalesio, O'Connor, and Donaldson. I believe with the Waratahs' roster next year that they're going to have a cracking Super Rugby campaign. I believe that Lalesio isn't really impressing Rennie. He's not doing what he wants because he's just shown it with his non-selection so much. So I think one of the big shot calls for for the test squad for the Rugby World Cup is that Donaldson's going to be our second fly-half. Well, we...
0: That's massive, but I love it. <sighs>
1: Moment of silence for Harry's last brain cell. <laughs> 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 no, no, look, as, as I do want to stress, because we've, we've made fun of a lot of the picks so far, um, all, all the names here are included because they are genuine options, and Ben Donaldson is a genuine option. I know um, both Harry yourself and and Nelson have been uh, pretty vocal about the fact that Lola has benefited from the fact that he's had a really all-star pack in front of him, um, and Donaldson, if given the same amount of time and with the same uh, pack or the same consistency of the pack, maybe makes a big difference. Sheepy's coming out with an absolute gun with uh, Will Harrison, you know, a, nearly a forgotten name of uh, Super Rugby, just given his injuries and a bit of shifting to fullback. Um, there's a whole heap of um, potential options coming through. We haven't mentioned Tane um, and obviously the elephant in the room, as Niall brings in. Uh, Quade's Achilles injury is going to be the big, big issue. So, one of the things that is probably worthwhile, I think Quade and Foley wouldn't be in the same squad together. I think it's one or the other if, um, you know, if Quade doesn't come back in time. Ben Donaldson is a good shout just because he's really talented. I think he's got a great boot on him. I think he looks like a controlled and smart player. Um, but yeah, I mean, this has sparked probably the debate. You know, there's so many options here, and we're so unsettled that uh, the guy with, you know, was it just the one test cap? Um,
0: okay.
1: Two, yeah. Has he got, oh, two it? Yeah, because he, he came off the bench. bench. Yeah, the last five minutes. Um, you can see that. Yeah. So, the just two caps. Is um, you know, riding the reckoning. Centers, I, I'm so nervous to even ask now because I I think centers should be straightforward. I, I was saving all the um, the weight of expectation for the outside backs, but maybe the centers aren't as really straightforward as I was thinking. So. We're gonna have to, to choose four centers. Jeez. Um there might be a lot of people thinking, well, we could probably go three and free ourselves up another outside back, but um just typically what has been done is four centers in a squad of this sort of size. So I I'm thinking we'll go back to the lock method. We all get to pick one. Um <laughs> Mitch, I, I will put the reins <laughs> to you to start us off. Just and now, Harry, you're going to be second as well because I, I can't trust you guys. I know there's going to be a, a wild crowd somewhere so. in there. I'll go, so. I'll go so. Um, Mitch, who, who would you like to see picked out of this uh, crew? Uh,
3: I'll start with Karevi. Nice. I'll i
1: think um me. Yeah, I, I think everyone will have Karevi on board. I, I'd say arguably the best back we have uh, if everyone's available. On the planet. Um, and his centre partner will be Ikatau. Love it. How goes that? So everyone listening will have those two penciled in. Absolutely. From here, it could get a little bit um, murkier, at least if not for the people selected, but maybe the packing order. And uh, who would you choose to um, accompany these guys?
0: I want you to have a bit of a challenging one. So I'm going to pick Lalakai Fiketti. Very nice. So with Fiketti chosen, um, it does leave
1: Paisami, Parisi and Simone. I'm going to rule out Simone just because he's playing overseas and I think... You know, we're not going to waste a overseas selection if we don't have to. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to Paisami and Parisi, it's really tough because I love the fact that Parisi offers, um, you know, the ability to play in the wing and does give us that extra outside-back cover. And Paisami, I don't think we've seen the best of him in 2022, but the fact that he's played, you know, 20-odd tests under and he does make me think he's in with a shot. So I'm going to be very very undecided with this, but I'm, I'm going to say Hunter Paisami. You know, we haven't haven't said a lot of Reds' names on here just yet, but I do think Hunter Paisami does have a nice little set of combinations with some of these players. He's played outside Karevi. He's played inside Ikatau. Um he, He's been around these players quite a lot, and I think he's a really handy player to have for those, um, you know, games against Georgia, for those games against, um, you know, even uh, Portugal just because I think we need someone that can fill those roles. And if we want someone that can play probably equally well at 12 or 13, he does give us that. Yep. Good call. Now the bit that I'm really concerned about, because I I just don't think we're going to get anywhere near what I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) And narcissistically, this whole exercise has just been how far are we straying from what I think is the right pick. But um, we're (laughs) going to select five outside backs. We've got 10 on offer. Um, There's quite a range of, out-and-out fullbacks, to wings, to hybrids. Um, we're, we're choosing between Tom Banks, Jock Campbell, Andrew Kellaway, Mark Noonganita-Wase, Jordan Pataya, Reese Hodge, Tom Wright, Marika Kyron-Betty, Suliasu and Kirtley Beal. I believe all of these guys have played this year except for Beal. He was involved in the um, squad for the rugby championship, but sort of just his injury a couple while he was sort of nursing himself back. But he is a 95 test B and does provide a heap of experience now, this is really tough because as we were already talking about, we haven't settled our fullbacks, and we're not really sure who gets ourselves in there. So I'm going to let um, some of the fighting ensue. I'm going to take Corey off the table. I'm going to you know pick first and just get him out of there because he is absolutely our first pick uh, and probably the only locked-in outside back in a set position.
0: Who's Red, can join? I suggest that you pick three players that are definitely going to be in the outside backs and then leave us to fight over the remaining two spots? I'd love to do that. I'm so glad you asked.
3: I don't know. Um, I don't think that's no. fair. But
1: anyway. All right. Uh, so my three absolutes, um, Marika, Karim, Betty, Andrew, Kellaway. There's
2: only, there's only two absolutes, I reckon. I think we should fight yeah.
1: for three. Okay. I'm happy to let you guys do that. So I'll, I'll put Gorambetti okay, Betty, cool. and Kellaway. If there is a squad selected without those two and they're healthy, then I'm going for the All Blacks. All right. Um,
3: <laughs> oh, pulling on that I'll, Kiwi heritage.
1: Yeah. Um, thanks Thanks to Dad's mum for being a, a Kiwi. I, I can always call on that. Um, and uh, who who would be the first name you want to elect to jump on board with these guys? Because this is going to be contentious. And there's some names yeah. I have fingers crossed and praying mm. are not selected.
0: For, for me, I'm going to actually do the reverse and get rid of a player from selection um, if I'm allowed to have that veto power. I don't think Saliva should be on the plane. Um, I don't think he's shown enough so far in the opportunities he's had both for Australia A, um, for the Wallabies, and just also for the Reds. So I don't think at this point where we are, even with a decent um, Super Rugby Pacific season, I don't, I don't think he's going to be there.
1: Very fair call. Yeah. Um, so Vunderville is off the table. There still leaves seven players to squeeze into three positions. Is there anyone that, um, Mitch or Harry, that you would like to veto
3: as well? You just don't think they I, should um, I don't it think. Be? I think Banks is out of the picture at the moment. I don't think he's going to get picked purely because he is a ghetto law pick at the moment and not being based in Australia. If RA does push Rennie to have, even if it is six, I don't think even then he's in our top six.
1: Harry, are you fine with it? Were you, were you going to pick Banks?
3: Oh, look, I, I think if we were making the selections on we could
2: make whatever choices, then I think it's probably uh, an argument either way. But to be honest, I just think it makes it a bit more contentious that I was going to rule out Jock Campbell because <laughs> I don't think that he has enough experience at fullback in test level yep. to push himself up. I think I'd rather Kelleway start above him there. I would have rather Banks. And to be honest with Hodge's form and how he's saved us so many times, I'd probably rather Hodge at this point in his career as well. Had Campbell been given another 12 months of test match footy, he probably would have jumped in for me, but not for next year. Why don't we lock in Are Hodge then
0: as one of the options?
1: Yep, words out of my mouth. I think Hodge should be one of those five. So we've got Hodge, Corin Betty, and Callaway. Um, it makes it very tough.
3: With, uh, I was Banks actually going to say, sort of and I was going to um, make my choice, Curtly Bill, and I think he might, and it, it, I'm happy to be proved wrong in 2023, but I do think that he could be a better option um, as a utility back than Hodge.
1: Very bold. I think that
3: could, could foresee That coming up. So I'd be picking Beal over Hodge at the moment. If Hodge doesn't have a
0: a massive, massive 2023 uh, for the Rebels. But I actually think the reverse is true, that it's actually Beal who who needs the massive 2023 in order to force Mm. his way into the squad. Hodge is the incumbent utility back, and he offers Mm. so much there as almost like a Samu in the back row is Hodge for the back line. And so... In my mind, it's not whether Hodge proves himself. It's whether Beal absolutely lights up Super Rugby Pacific. And if he does, then, yeah, he might well take Hodge's utility spot. Um, if he doesn't, then I don't I don't see Beal making it.
1: Well, look, I think from a bit of consensus at the moment, it seems like Corin Betty, Kellaway and Hodge are in. It really leaves, based off these sort of um, picks, a, a toss-up between Wright, Wasi, and Pattaya for those last two. Um, I, I think that's probably our, our big debate here, and I'm very keen to see where it goes. We've got a Brombi attire and a Red. We've got uh, Hot form, mixed form, and um, very fluctuating form and different amounts of versatility. So, Ando, I, I'll go to you. You've been a voice of reason. Um, God, no, who I, out of those uh-oh. three what do you want to see in there?
0: What does what
2: does Vando have to do if no one a loss, he makes his squad?
0: What's no, that wasn't <laughs> uh, me. That was Red. No, no, no. Oh, oh, I've, got shout, yeah. I've got to shout. i to But he, to he has Craig to be
1: picked, picked at fullback. If he's the starting he fullback, make the squad at any point in the Rugby World Cup, then I owe Craig mm-hmm. a, a beer, and I'll happily pay it. Um, but yeah, it, it does need to be that. He, he's been trying to shift the goalposts a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know he. he I think he changed it at one point to if Mark can spell Wallabies, I'll, I'll buy him a beer. So there's been a whole lot of movement there. Um, <laughs> if he's a starting fullback at any point, it, it does leave it wide open. Ando, out of those three, who would you like uh, to join Callaway, Corabetti and Hodge?
0: Okay. If we're taking Banks and Campbell out of the equation, which is pretty crazy in my mind, but if we are, because um, we only have five spots, then... Look, I, I kind of just can't go past Wright because he's had so much game time this season and I think he's he's one of those players that can be a bit of a game breaker. But I guess you can say that about all of them. Oh, God, this is hard. <laughs> um, okay, after having said that, Nwanganita So he's picked, he's in. Wow.
3: Yeah, you I'll just say, say on, the, on, uh, on Tom Wright being a game breaker, how many games has Tom Wright won us for the Wallabies? Mm,
0: like off the top himself. Of my head, I can't remember.
3: Uh, I would say none. How many times well, has Beal pulled I'd something say, out of his... I'd say the win, again? against,
1: um, the win against the All Blacks when he
3: scored that cracking try in the first sort of few minutes. That's uh, nearly... Yeah, but nearly that in. like scoring a try in the first few minutes doesn't necessarily win you a test match. Curtly Beals, how many times has he scored a try in the last minute or two of games? Like Wales, how many times has he done that against Wales? So just, just food for thought there. Well... We, we've already strayed from what I'd like, so I'm gonna
1: <laughs> I'm gonna leave the last pick. Uh, Harry, take it home. We've got Corin Betty, Noonganita Wase, Kellaway and Hodge. Who joins them? It is kind of between Pattaya, right? If you want to stray outside those parameters, go for it. <laughs>
2: I can't, not again. Uh, look, I'm <laughs> going to go. I'm going to go. Tom Wright. I think, in my eyes, you pick one off Patairoa and a Wagniardawasi. There, you kind of expect a risky young player. And I think Marky Mark has just performed way too well. So, for that reason, I think you need someone that's more solid and controlled. And I know that Tom Wright does have his brain farts at times,
1: but I think he's probably your established Wallaby outside back that needs to be in that squad. Love it. And Angus, with a comment from YouTube, Patira is out. You can't pick on potential. Uh, yep. That's very much in tune with um, a lot of what uh, Craig has been saying as well, and I think a lot of his sort of exchanges with me has been based on that sort of discussion of Pataille versus Nongani Nwassi. And, look, it's really hard to argue. I think um, out of all the the new wingers to have been trialled under uh, Rennie this year, um, Nongani Wasi has done done the best job of it. He's clearly blown Vinavalo out of the water, and I think his form so far has been um, really quite nice and, um, oh, I guess opportune because it's come at the perfect timing now we're we've picked our squad no doubt people listening um have forgotten half of it because there's been just about 40 minutes trying to get through the banter around it but ando has summarized it into a table let's have a look how's our squad looking oh my god the asterisk next to panga ramosa
0: um (laughs) (laughs) how could i forget asterisk next to neville as well i should put one there and hooper tom (laughs) hooper that is
3: Let's go through because there is a really how many asterisks are we including? Every every <laughs> section has an asterisk nearly. <laughs> Donaldson Excuse has you, an asterisk, maybe Scrum half's <laughs> the only the one that doesn't really have an asterisk next to it. There, there's yeah, a lot so. going on. Um, to
1: recap the squad because it is a, a lengthy squad, and for those that have listened through 90 minutes of um, of chat, thank you very much. The props selected. James Slipper, Scott CEO, Angus Bell, Harry Johnson-Holmes, Alan Alatoa, Taniela Tupo. Big force to be reckoned with there. Um, the hookers, Dave Parecki, Lockie Lonigan, and Brandon Pangaramosa. The locks, Will Skelton, Matt Phillip, Nick Frost, and Caden <clears throat> uh, Neville. Uh, the back row, Jed Holloway, Michael Hooper, Rob Valentini, uh, we've got Harry Wilson, Pete Samu, and Tom Hooper as well. We've the just had a comment eyes. come
0: in. You, you do need to speak to.
3: Well, so, I'll just yeah. I'll answer that, Simon. Um, and thanks for tuning in from the Philippines. But in my mind, you need to play some minutes for the Wallabies in 2022 to be a shout for selection in a World Cup in 2023. So, Except when's if the last time Rota played for? <laughs> Except for if you be, yep. yep.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Harry make Johnson the squad. Holmes. Or Harry Johnson-Holmes, who hasn't. <laughs> but you know what? That's it, fine. We've picked it. Um, it's done. And we're all on board. Um, <laughs> Ando, Ando has written this in permanent ink, so the name is etched. Uh, the Scrum halves we've elected, no surprises. Nick White, Tate McDermott, Jake Gordon. The Fly halves: Quaid Cooper and Ben Donaldson. Um, the Centres, Samu Karevi, Lenny Katao, Hunter Paisami and Lala Kaifakedi. Again, probably no real surprises there. And then the outside backs. Uh, Andrew Callaway, Mark Noonganidawase, Reese Hodge, Tom Wright, and Marika Connor Betty. That is a all-star uh, 33. I think there'll be people that agree with a lot of it. I think there'll be people that hate parts of it and I think that's awesome that there's so many people that we've got up for debate. Um, you know, 70 names, literally 70 names that were typed up uh, and there's probably people arguing for each and every one of them. So, awesome to be able to go through that and get some um, ideas out there. And you know, it's probably not a squad that any one of us would have selected, but to get um, that sort of combined thoughts is really cool. So how are we feeling about that squad? We're happy with that. Mitch, is, is that sort of ticking the boxes for you?
3: Yep, I'm happy with that. Uh, throw Kirtley <laughs> Bill in there. More Waratahs, the better. <laughs> and um, we've got a World Cup winning squad on our hands. Oh, Very Michael, nice. You need to shut down. <laughs> <laughs> no, Harry, the pick of Ben Donaldson
1: was not that bad. Don't worry. Um <laughs> <laughs> Ando, your thoughts, um, because you were sort of running a lot of this stuff behind the scenes, maybe some of the picks, um, you know, sort of caught an eye as type in the middle, backspace in the other names. How do you feel with that 33?
0: Yeah, look, I think it's, um, there are some pretty big calls. Like, I I honestly understand Mitch's argument about Caden Neville's inclusion. disagree, but I understand where he's coming from. Um, But for like Harry Johnson Holmes, Hooper, Donaldson, there's there's some pretty big calls and untested international players that we're saying should be in a rugby world cup squad and between the three of them they have three caps yeah three caps between three players that we're saying should be in a rugby world cup squad so just based upon experience I question those calls but and I think not having Tom Banks or Jock Campbell within now outside backs is pretty light on for fullback cover but it's challenging is challenging. The parameters that we set yeah. ourselves made this a contentious decision-making uh, <laughs> process, and that's fun. That's fun. So, it, it what makes it what makes it enjoyable. I mean, realistically, it, it, it's always difficult to pick a World Cup squad a year out, and we have no form,
3: no yearly form to to pick on. Like the selection panel has the luxury of picking this World Cup team in what July, August next year, and starting to really get a good picture of who they they're focusing on, and then take stock of injuries, and then make and, and announce the team. Whereas we're a year out, some of those selections, there are uh, a potential based. And, um, like you said, ando some of them are probably unfounded at the moment. We're hoping for big seasons from them, but when you compare them to the alternatives of who is going to get in over them, do you then start to look at whether the potential of what these players can bring in 2023 is over what the players that are currently in there and getting selected bring. Mm. And the beauty is
1: no one can blame us for being passionate. You know, the, in the heat of the selection, um, there's players that have caught our eye and we want to you know, make sure they're represented. And it, the nice thing is um, I, I think all these players show that, you know, with the names left off, with the names selected, we've got a really strong squad when everyone's fit and available and that we can go quite deep in this tournament. Um, Harry, your connection looks like it's back up. What, what are your takeaways from that um, final squad? Are, are you happy with it as a consensus? And, um, you know, who, who are you picking as your co-selector, if you had to choose someone in future to pick alongside, uh, I want to be
2: challenged as a co-selector, so I'm going to pick Mitch. As nice, my good option. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I, I am really happy with it, and and don't get me wrong, as you said, I wouldn't have picked the exact same squad as if it was myself. But I think the biggest takeaway from me is you can see the, you know. The positive side to all the injuries the Wallabies have had over the last couple of years, and there's genuinely 70 players there who I don't would I don't think they would look out of place in that Wallaby squad, and I really think that pretty much every single one of those players would have done a job. You know, I, I talked about Tom Hooper and why I selected him. In, in the end, I was actually looking at the other six options like Leota and. Uh, and and a couple of the other guys you had up there, and and they would all do a pretty similar job. So it's a hotly contested squad. There's going to be a fair few players that are very good quality players that aren't
1: making the team, and I think that's always a a really good sign. Yeah, absolutely. And look, for those that have listened through, we now have been live for 90 minutes. Um, Please get in touch. Um, Please comment along with who the outrageous calls were, who you agree with. Uh, maybe there's someone that you're like, wow, everything they said made sense. I love them. Maybe there's yep. someone who's like, wow, I want to have a beer with this person. <laughs> so let let us know why it's them. Let us know. <laughs> <why it's laughs> and look, I think there's probably just enough characters on Twitter. Maybe you need to send a DM, but um, you know, in the comments, let us know your 33 man squad. Let us know if there's you know, a few changes who you'd swap in and out, because all this is generating great discussion. I think, as we touched on at the very start, the highlights, the low points, there's so much variance for the Wallabies. But the one thing that is really consistent is there is a lot of chatter. Um, I do feel like, especially Twitter, but on all social media, there's still been a really nice sort of select uh, group of people that are, you know, tuning in each week, getting involved each week um, to go through everything that, you know, revolves around the Wallabies. And the more chat around this, the more sort of – we can get this out there the better i think because people talking rugby is always a good thing
3: and i um, want to also just say before we wrap up that we have had some technical difficulties with twitter uh, i think and mentioned at the beginning that our twitter comments weren't coming through to us so if you were watching on twitter and you weren't able to get your questions through we do apologize for that um oh, we're not just choosing
1: to ignore you <laughs> i did just say yeah sorry this just came through on twitter that um dave rennie looks like only a new account has said wow rev handsome bloke and looks like it could be fly half material here's my number so um i've got to i've got to deal with that because that's pretty good news for me Um, and i think it's on
0: that bombshell that we should probably wrap up shouldn't we mate i think so
1: (laughs) um mitch is there a song you'd like to sing to see us out i know we've had a few people sort of dusting off
3: the oh i'm i thought i handed my card in for
0: ando's bagpipes so (laughs) Another time, my friend. Another time. Tim Foster is asking, when will the Pick and Drive Christmas album come out? That is a great question. We'll have to think about that one. But ladies and gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure to be with you tonight. Thank you so much for your involvement, for your support and for your listens. This is definitely the last Royal Rumble for 2022. And um, for Pick and Drive, we are going to have one more podcast coming out this week, which will be very, very exciting. Uh, so make sure you keep your eyes tuned. Rev, it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you if they want to hear more of your dulcet tones?
1: Um, yeah, not super vocal at the moment. I'll try and get some previous stuff out next year. But please uh, get in touch on Twitter. Um, absolutely love it. Um, anywhere from the completely sane to the absolutely deranged. I love seeing the comments come through. Um yeah, so if you are a uh, – I won't even voice the uh, the channels, but if, if you're one of the pages that is just an absolute stirrer, I embrace it. I love it. So please, please uh,
0: make my holidays all the more entertaining. And you can find him at Rugby Fixation on Twitter. And, Harry, where would people find you if they want to hear more from you, mate?
2: Yeah, we're probably most active on Twitter as well. We do have a Facebook group and an Instagram page as well, but definitely Twitter is the main channel. Um, you can follow me. I think I'm just Harrison dale eighty-eight, very generic on Twitter. Uh, but Draft Rugby is probably where we put most of our good stuff out as well. And we're probably not doing any more podcasts or anything this year. We'll be gearing up for the uh the super rugby preseason, which is always huge for us. So we've started putting together a bit of a plan for that. And uh my highlight podcast of the year for draft rugby is always the new hot podcast, talking about all the young players and just basically getting excited for the start of the year. So that'll probably be the next big, big podcast from us.
0: Very exciting. Well, Mitch and myself, Ando, you can find us both on pick underscore drive rugby on Twitter and all major platforms. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful week, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.